welcome back to the show. Um, very, very glad everyone could join us this week again uh, because this week we've got someone special, uh, someone who's helped me out on my journey a couple of times now um, through Zed, and it's Jake from Iceberg Racing. Jake, how you doing, mate? Good, good, mate. Thank you for uh, for having me. Um, this is my first podcast, mate. So, yeah, popping my cherry. I'm stoked. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah mate. Haven't done one before, so um, there you go. Excited. Well, I hope I hope I do it justice for you, mate. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Um, now we'll actually just put a plug for White Claw in with that noise, um, Avon. <laughs> Jake's drinking some White Claws as well, going out in style, which is which is very good. Love a good seltzer, mate. Love a good seltzer. Hey, they've, um, they've got a new surge range for the um, the hardcores out there with six percent, so it's right up my alley. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this, post- this podcast is not sponsored by White Claw. Um, <laughs> Well, it sounds like it should be. Um, well, tell you what, big news today, Jake, in the world of Z. Um, and I think, you know, I sent you a, a few ideas of things I wanted to talk about in Twitter, and um, I certainly want to get to that in particular. Um, but I don't think we can start anywhere else um, than, than what happened today. Aging. Yeah, Aging mate. is upon us. So I'll probably just start, like I just saw a very brief um, review of it. Um, I haven't looked at it at all apart. I think Wagney just put something in Twitter, which I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, which was a screenshot of the Discord. I haven't spent any time looking at it. So give us your thoughts. What Can you maybe just walk me through what what have they done with ageing? Have you been across it yet? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. And look, it's... Um... You know, it's nothing new. We've, we've known it's in the works for quite some time. Uh, for, for anyone that's, um, you know, been actively following, um, you know, Zed Twitter and Discord and, and Facundo and, and, and where his, um, his vision is, um, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Um, basically, uh, there are six aging tiers. Um, every time you reach a new tier in... Uh, in the aging process, then it takes you uh, slightly longer to uh, recuperate one stamina bar. Um, so obviously currently everyone's starting off on level one um, and you, you get it, uh, the ability to add another race to your, to your string every three hours. Um, so you can race eight times a day essentially. Um, and then every 250 races, you're going to move up into the next tier. Um, the, um, the, the time it takes to regenerate a stamina bar sort of ex- exponentially goes up with the tiers. Um, off the top of my head, I believe it's uh, four hours per um, to recuperate the, uh, a stamina bar for tier two and then eight, uh, 1632 or 1648, I think it is. Um, okay. I don't have them in front of me, mate. If you've got them there, please correct me. I feel like that's not 100% correct, but I'm – Pretty sure 96 hours is the last um, level six tier, which would be roughly um, you'd have the ability to race eight eight um, races in a day once a month. Um, so if we sort of zoom out and have a look at what the, um, the landscape looks like in uh, six or seven months' time, um, some of the you know dominant horses today, providing that they've been raced um, to their full potential, um, will basically be appearing on the track once once a month, which, um, you know, 
from an outsider's perspective, if you don't own in any of them, I think it's a really cool thing. Um, you know, obviously, if you do own some of them, then you know this is the this is the game that we're we're living in, and um, you just got to survive and adapt. So here's a question for you: Question number one around strategy for your variants or your 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 one monster horses. Do you just sit on them for six months? To what end? I mean, so that all the other 1.0 monster horses are raced out and aged, and then you can come in and race your eight eight races a day. Right, but you know, if if um, if uh, if you know, monster horses are sitting out, that's going to weaken the fields, and that's going to probably incentivize some of those monster horses to jump back in. Like, I don't think it's as cut and dry. Um, and and at the same time, over that time period, while you're sort of sitting there, other horses are leveling up to then even out the playing field a little bit as well. Um, I think what it really does is it makes um, the stables that own these horses really think about what races they're going to enter. Um, you know, I would I would expect that you'd see um, a, a lot less um, dub, double up races for some of the uh, elite. Um, entrance horses that can probably still turn a higher profit margin in top two races, um, quadruple ups and, and, and top threes potentially. Um, whereas in the past with no cap on aging um, and given paid racing volume, you sort of were, if your horse was profitable in double ups as well as those other matters, you, you're going to be chucking in them just to try and reach your your race, race count every day and maximize as much ETH as you could. Whereas now, kind of doesn't make sense um so i can definitely see um field selection changing with with aging but i don't i don't necessarily think parking your horses for six or seven months is going to be a thing um i certainly parking them potentially to let some beasts get out of segmented levels um that could definitely definitely be something especially now that people are gaining xp potentially 10 times as fast um you know if you're a, if you're in a segmented band with um you know some some really high-end um races you know what comes to mind is um the sort of sprint funnel in, in class one in that um 576 to 600 band where you've got some really 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 good horses getting close to that level 600 um and given that that uh, the XP is now going to be gained so much quicker, it might make sense to park your horses for a week or two until those fields potentially get a little bit easier. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to be parking my horses for six or seven months. So where's the fun in that? Um, which is what we're here to do at the end of the day. That's what we're here to do. As I said, this was a, an interesting thought I had when I just, when I sort of this, saw this today. So I just, I just did bring it up, Jake, and you'll be happy to know you're pretty much spot on, mate. The recovery time, three hours, four hours, eight hours, 24, 48, 96 to level yeah, six. So yeah. um, you are the oh, Z oh, man, oh. as we all knew you were. So that's that's kind of all good. Um, and, yeah, Ryan talking about 10x faster, which is kind of interesting. I've been asking this question and it's finally answered, but I've been asking this question for, oh, well, since I started this podcast, I think, which is, you know, how many races is in the life of a horse? And before the aging came in, it, like it was like 2,500 races per tier if you're saying it's it's an order of magnitude, right? So, yeah. 
you know, that kind of lined out to if I wanted to race from 401 through to 500, that was 2,500 races. Yep. Uh, quite quite the grind. So quite a daunting task if you if you get breed a 401 or a 301. Brutal, right? mate. Um, yeah. And, you know, personally, from my perspective, uh, with breeding 3.0, I've had a lot of breeds um, fall into those lower ranges that, you know, would probably be really good towards those upper bands and I just didn't have the bandwidth or the um, the energy to um, to race them so they ended up getting sold off for pennies on the dollar and a lot of sort of a lot of stables have picked those up and they're having fun with them which is great um, but th- this it's all changed now like if your if your horses are leveling up um, exponentially quicker and now that we've got segmented paids in the lower classes as well um, you really should be getting bang for your buck on any breed you're doing these days and being able to enjoy racing it through the grade and, you know, hopefully racing it for the next six months before it, you know, gets parked and you can bring it out of retirement once a month for a tournament or something like that. Um, so let's go and have a look at, let's jump in and do a quick Hawku filter. Let's have a look at some legendary knacks and what do you reckon, like starting level 500 to 510? kind of thing which typically you know would have been parked that someone may have bred that cheap and then want to get rid of it cheap well so i think think class one class one's potentially not the best example here because we've had segmented levels from class one from five to five twenty five then five twenty six to five fifty and more recently um five fifty one to five seventy five and now a fourth band. So class ones always had that segmentation. I feel like my class one breeds are more likely to race them when they are a 501. Then if you, if you, you know, previously landed with a 401, initially you had no segmentation, then you had one band of segmentation to 425. And I think there was just like a, a top three race that rotated. Like it was, there was no volume there at all. Um, so, like, definitely the lower classes are probably going to be more of those that were ditched. But, I mean, you know, this is, I'm sure you'd find some ditched in class one as well. Yep, there's a Z2 NACA legendary cult. I switched to 400 because I, I, I understand what you're saying. That does make a lot of sense. Um, I'm sure there'll be some ditched. I wonder if Dan Chan's ditched that 401 that he bred this morning. He's <laughs> just, just waiting for it. He, he doesn't ditch anything. He just keeps it for a No, rainbow. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Um, interesting. There you go. There's, there might be something special. 0.035, 60 bucks for a Z2 NACA legendary. Here you go. Um, a Z2 legendary Colt, Jake, 60 bucks. Um, so it sounds cheap, does it? It's cheaper than the breed fee. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if I was out there and I was a stable and I was looking for um, for some, I guess, bargains now, given the fact that the changes that have dropped today I'd be looking for horses in those lower bands that have shown some level of variance and therefore should be quite enjoyable to race through the grades now that the levelling up has been turbocharged. Um, I'm sure there's heaps out there. Um, I'm not going to be looking for them. I've I've got my hands full as it is. But, um, yeah, I I think either either that or, you know, if you you like going the other other way and you enjoy um, stability horses that provide a steady... Steady income and grind on the way up. Same sort of thing. I'm sure you'd find them, but I find those horses are ones that probably don't get as um, as neglected if they have shown to be profitable 
in double ups at that lower level. Um, yep. And the ones that haven't shown probably just look like glue, so a little bit harder to identify. Uh, yeah, there's another, just another, a whole other wrinkle. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can always tell when a horse has some variance and w- would potentially, you know, be competitive in those upper bands, but given how long it takes to grind through levels, like it's it's pretty easy to get disheartened when you breed one in the, um, you know, the first 10 levels of a band. So I'm sure there's plenty of good horses out there. Well, if you sort of think back to all the things that Facundo's been saying over the last three or four months, now it's like now we know it's 250 races for yep. a, a well-bred horse to race through a class, right? That would be like a 407 through to 500 is 250 races. And is that so are they saying it takes 250 races to to reach the end of your level? So they're saying it's 250 races to move into the next leveling tier before you start to age. Right, but right. are we talking so about I'm, I'm assuming that when they've said, because what I try to do is put myself into the developers or the design, the game designer's shoes, right? Yeah. So a good horse, you would think, because aren't they going to reset the recovery tiers as an incentive for you to level up so you don't max out a 500 and, and just stay in race? Have you read that today? I know it's been... Um, no, I haven't. I haven't read anything today, Jake. So I haven't read anything. I'm just, this is just what, what I've heard in the past. Yeah, that, well, they, um, haven't, they haven't released any information about that yet. Um, also, like the 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 only horses that really have the ability to go up an Evo band for the most part are, are Genesis horses um, right now. Like a lot of the horses that are being bred are being bred into the upper Evo band. I think um, Fukundo's vision down the line is to open up the ability for horses to then level up. Um, which which would be cool, especially now given how much faster it's going to take to to gain XP. Um, and if they're saying it's ten times faster, I guess that's where you were getting that two hundred and fifty um, races to reach the end of the level from, given that you you had some stats around twenty five hundred races. To no, that. so yeah, I've, that twenty five hundred just came all from this two hundred and fifty. Like it's an assumption I'm making that they're going okay. Right, okay. like, so, I guess the, the question what, still stands, right? What what's the how long should it take you to race through a class? Well, so I think a decent horse. If we've got to separate that from aging, right? So aging is just talking about the time it takes to regenerate one stamina bar. So it's going to take you 250 races to reach the next level up of how long it takes to to, to regenerate that stamina bar. What um, I think you're talking about is how long it's going to take you to take a five, uh, 401 to 500, which yes. we have, we have, we've got no data on that. Um, you know, I'm sure BG would be able to pull some um, reports and generate some, some um, predictions based on current data. But given the amount of time that um, racing 2.0 has been around, um, th- there has not been any horse that has gone from the bottom of the band to the top of the band. So we can't really measure that and also there are different factors in um terms of uh, xp that's gained based on how many times that horse won and what stakes they were racing yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah. Paid it's, it's two through. different things yeah. here like how long it takes to get through to the top of your level which from what we've heard is going to be 10 times faster than what it has been but i don't think there's any quantification around exactly how long it takes i think that i've seen some potential predictions and stuff on on twitter um but, you know, it's still a bit of a, a variable. 
Um, but what is set in stone is after 250 races, you will be moving up to the next tier of... Um, of ageing, recovery, recovery tier. Yeah. Correct, yeah. 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 Um, but do you think, and it's just speculation here, right? Play the speculation game with me for a sec, Jake. Um, do you think that those things would be correlated at all? That in terms of designing an ageing framework, would you have some idea to say, okay, if you race this through a class... Because I keep thinking back to the early days when the early days of the new meta, when Facundo did a lot of um, like a lot of time on the spaces, and I think he did um, Aussies Talk and Z and those kind of things as well. Yeah. And he kept talking about when you race like a low BA, high variance horse all the way through. He's like, think of what that horse will be at the at the top of its class when it gets leveled up, and it's got this BA on top of the variance. So they seem to have had this idea of running a horse through a class seems to be there from the start, from what they're talking about. Um, oh, no, definitely. And look, Facundo's vision is, was was very clear in, in some um, posts uh, that, that, that I read that he he wanted to see, um, you know, the time it takes from a, from a new horse that's born to reach that um, top of the class to, to become a lot quicker but also that their lifespan is a lot shorter. So he, he basically said, you know, I think it would be great if a new horse was born um, and, you know, within six months uh, that horse had reached its full aging cap. And I think his rough predictions were, um, you know, it would take you one month to get through the first band, um, another month through the second, two months to get through the third band, and then you'd have two months um, sort of at the top of the the class or something like that, enjoying that position before the horse was aged yep. out and could only race once a month. So, um, I mean, in, in terms of us trying to calculate how long it would take to, to I guess, age out a horse, there are 1,500 races until it reaches that cap, but um, obviously that's not going to be eight races a day, right? So because as the level caps go up, um, yep. exponentially it's going to take longer for that horse to complete those 250 races. Um, so, you know, towards the end we'll see those horses less and less because it takes longer for them to regenerate stamina, but it also means that that last um, 250 races to reach that final aging cap when you're only getting an extra race every um, every day, wasn't it? As you said, tw- it went from 24 to 96. Yeah. Um, so basically, went from twenty four to forty eight to ninety six. Forty eight, right? So in that last two hundred and fifty, you're um, going. It's two days per race, so you can race eight races every two weeks. Yeah. Um, so based on that perspective, it actually takes quite a lot of time to to reach that aging cap. Um, yeah, so I look that's, forward. That's basically to that's like a year. Yeah. Yeah, I just look forward to like in I don't know two or three years time, and we see all the the greats doing a Masters Cup, the one race. Like, remember the five thousand dollar race? Like another yeah. one of them. I, I like I, I love that um I love that idea. I love I love the sort of the future vision that it paints when you've got horses like Ready Set Boom and Grandeur and Rendezvous Peak and um figured it out and supreme polarity they're all coming out of retirement on one specific day to yep. make you race one high stakes paid race and then one tournament for you know hundred thousand us or whatever it is and it's once a month and they can only 
you know, they need their eight races of stamina on that day, but it just becomes a big spectacle that everyone looks forward to. And, um, you know, that, that excites me. Um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And especially if they've got the, like the content creator tournament world sorted out by that stage and that, like that Masters Cup can be hosted by whatever, whether it's Dan Chan, whether it's Arb or whatever, someone yeah. who's in that space of hosting tournaments at this point. Um, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be super cool, actually. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Now, looking forward to it. Looking forward to partaking in it. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I think everything that they're doing uh and, and the, the thing with, with zed is every time they make a change it has you know a butterfly effect that you know helps certain stables and, and cripples other stables and there's sort of no way around it they've got probably the toughest job in the world trying to build out this game given the fact that so many people are so emotionally and financially invested in it and have been for such a long time while the game's still changing and still being built out um, that it's it's really tough for the community to sort of roll with the punches time and time again. Um, I think you know from the outside, from an outside perspective, looking in, uh, all of these changes that they're doing are sort of setting up the game to be sustainable and fun for new players of future generations coming in, which is a great thing. Um, and it's kind of the new the new meta. I mean, ho- hopefully, you know. Um, most of the stables out there have, have had the opportunity to invest in, you know, at least one Genesis horse, even if it's a Buterin over the last few years, so that they have the ability to keep breeding forever. Um, uh, I know there's going to be some stables out there that, that unfortunately don't, don't own any and um, have invested in, in bred horses. So the news today obviously does sting, but we also knew it was coming as well. So... Double-edged sword, mate. Um, so just dive, dive into that a little bit more, Jake. Like um, when you say the bred horses, they can't breed forever, but they haven't been able to breed forever for some time from the breeding decay. What do you mean by that? Right. So so like everyone everyone who, um, you know, bought a bred horse, you know, bought them basically for the most part for their racing ability. Obviously in the, um, the breeding 2.0 era, um, there, there were plenty of horses that were bought also for their breeding ability that were bred horses. Um, but oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. if they're buying races, they're buying them because, you know, the, the horses is very, is profitable in the current meta and they're anticipating future profits down, down the line. Um, but obviously the, the, the benefit of, of, um, paying extra to get a, a Genesis horse is the fact that, you know, they, they can breed forever and there's no breeding decay uh, but with aging coming into effect um, bred horses that have reached that breeding decay um, obviously are just only going to be useful once a month yeah yeah once they're aged and they're bred they're correct yeah they're, they're on the scrap heap there's literally no utility for them at that well point. not on the scrap heap but their their value is has obviously plummeted because they can yeah. no longer generate a steady um, stream of, of income they can basically just race um, for for fun and you know unless there's torn you know in, in the grand scheme of things if Zed Run blows up and goes global then you know I can totally see there being a legendary Buterin tournament for aged out horses once a month for fifty grand or something like that right and th- and then sure. those horses then have utility and a chance to actually generate money for the owner 
Um, but that's sort of, you know, zooming way out and going down the line. Um, but apart from that, like, you know, if you've got a, a bred horse that, you know, in however many months or years it reaches its its, breed, its aging cap, then you can pretty much only race it once once a um, once a month for a full day's racing. So you can't really expect to, to generate a, a massive yield on that investment anymore. This is true. This is true indeed. Well, as you say, time will tell. Um, time will tell how people shake out, um, you know, the ability to, to be able to extract an edge from the new changes. Um, but let's actually pivot for a second, Jake, because what I did want to talk to you about tonight yeah. um, is a horse you sold me, I don't know, can't remember now, um, not long ago. It's a bred three horse, um, probably a month ago, um, called Stability. Yep. And well. this one is very interesting. It has, um, it seems to be living up to its name very well. Um, and it just ran through the, I, I bought it off you. I think we raced, I, you raced it in a Griffey. Um, it won its Griffey and then it got 518 starting level. Yep. Um, and then it just ran, I kind of, I benched it for a while because I was doing other stuff. Um, but I dusted it off a couple of weeks ago and just ran it through its first class one um, conditionals. Conditional um, now, yeah, yeah, it's now at 527. So it kind of, I think it cashed, I can't remember, something like eight or nine times in a row, just went straight through it. Yeah, I saw um, that. So I was pretty excited to see that actually. So I just want to talk to you about, about how did you go about making that breed um and what were you like what were you trying to do with that breed and i mean the name probably says it all but how did you just talk me through how you made that um those those decisions to get to get that outcome of a horse yeah uh, look i mean so um the the breeding question uh is um by on chain uh which is z1 nakamoto um I'll probably call him a, an, an upper mid um, with a, a 2200 meter distance preference, uh, very low, low um, variance and um, just sort of a, a solid stability breeder and performer on the track. Um, the previous owner sort of raced him in, in a lot of high stakes racing. So he's got a, a horrible profit reading of negative 1.38 um, Ethereum, but uh, a decent horse. Um, and then the, the mare was a, a Z3 uh, Sabo called Snake Eyes that I bought off uh, GVG um, after it only had two starts and turned out to be a pretty decent marathoner. Um, again, low variance, um, sort of a similar mould to Skipping Dessert. Um, so I sort of, I, I basically had two, two horses there in my stable with uh, low variance, uh, similar DP, um, and yeah, bred them together to try and produce a, a stable horse for, for double ups. Um, and I think I chucked it in a griff because I was planning on racing it. And then uh, you reached out and bought it just before the griff ran. Is that, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that. what happened. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I admittedly, um, I am not the best person to talk to about breeding uh, stability horses. I, um, 95% of my stables built around variants. Um, I can chat about breeding variants all day long. Um, but, you know, 
uh, not every horse that I own um, fits that mold. So, um, yeah, obviously double up horses are great. They, um, you know, if you build a stable around them, then you can really see those steady profit graphs when people post those KYH stable profit graphs. And it's just basically like a, a steady ski slope heading up st- uphill. Um, you sort of get that from um, from stability horses, whereas uh, variance horses look a bit more erratic like a, a heartbeat but um yeah that, that i guess that was my thought process mate um low variance similar dp um yeah well, it's it's kind of spat out at about 2000 it seems to be happy um yeah for its for its distance um and it keeps keeps kicking on at the moment which is kind of interesting so um i'm very interested now to with the aging thing and like how is that going to run out and how fast that might run through to c1 it'll be very interesting to see it add some ba and see where it goes actually yeah well i mean that that's that's the um the million dollar question because these horses are now going to be getting into that upper band of the next conditional band which is the 526 to 550 um, a lot quicker um which probably means that you know the um the, the time that you'd spend in that negative um, EV lower part of the band is going to be a lot smaller. Um, so it'll be a lot a lot um, faster route to getting into that upper band, which is where you were having heaps of fun and you had eight or nine places in a row. Um, mm. But you know, the flip side is you're going to burn through that fun part quicker as well, right? So yeah, the I guess the thing to remember is that um, you sort of XP exponentially slows down as you get closer to the higher bands. So um, you will be burning through this next 526 uh, to 550 band a lot quicker than you'll be burning through the 551 um, to 575 and so yeah. on. So um, don't get disheartened if you only get five or ten races in that really sweet spot because you might get, 20 or 30 in the next band and then you might get 50 or 60 in the band after that um and then you know that it's just it's sort of i think this all these changes have just um fast track the time to fun for for everyone on these new 3.0 breeds that they're getting to sort of get them into that position where they're having fun and they're winning races which is what um you know at the end of the day it, it should all be about um you know yeah, absolutely. Like people have to, A, have fun, but I think, you know, we it's kind of a euphemism we all use for winning money. Um, in Z, like obviously everyone wants to be paid racing and, and to be positive value in paid racing, right? So interestingly enough, the idea of kind of grinding out levels in free tiers, I mean, that never... It never seemed feasible to me anyway to sit here and just click away at free tears. Um, yeah. I never had the patience for it. Um, <laughs> me neither, mate. I just – but I don't know if that will get more horses back into paid racing now because, like, how much how much of your ageing are you going to waste on free tier grinding now? Yeah, well, I suppose if, um, if you're gaining 10 times the XP for a free race – then it probably does bring back free race, um, you know, the the allure of free races for the lower part of that band. 
because if you can suddenly skip through your 526 to 535 section in a week of racing freeze then it's like oh well maybe i'll do that because then i you know basically miss all that part where i'm probably going to be negative ev and losing eth on a horse that's running double ups in the lower part against horses that are four, 545 and up but i can you know just sacrifice a week of doing that and get myself into a better position before i can actually be hopefully breaking even from 535 to 540 and then you know positive ev from 540 to 550 um so i think free racing probably has more allure now that it's 10 times the xp just to get through those bottom sections of the bands whereas previously oh fuck man you just like you're earning 180 xp and you That's need 15,000 xp to get to the next band it's like demoralizing right um so you just didn't do it and you either sold or parked the horse or you just raced it in paids to get through that part quicker and lost money and hope that that upper band where you were having fun and making money offset it and yeah, pay, I, pay. You know, i've had a lot of horses run through class one from low 500s through to five um 50 plus and they basically get through that and they break even and look i had a lot of fun racing those horses so i'm not upset that i did it but you know i wasn't racing freeze at all i was like you know bugger that i'm gonna race paids in those lower bands i sort of raced double ups in those lower bands because i hoped that i was losing less and then switched to top three top two um w2a so that's that's something worthwhile scratching out for a second there. Like you just said before, most of your stable is variance, right? Yeah. But even in your lower, like your lower tiers, you're still running those, what I'm going to presume were variance horses in double ups. Yeah. And look, some horses have different, differing level of levels of variance, right? If you, if you breed a 3.0 horse with extreme high variance, then it will be able to be at least somewhat profitable in those top three quadruple up type races in those lower bands because of the nature of variance but you might breed horses that you know have moderate variance which makes them a perfect candidate for top two um style races but um in double ups they might you know they might finish top six at a 40 percent rate therefore yes i'm losing a little bit of money but i'm still leveling up faster and getting myself into a position where i can start racing those higher um ev races when it's in that that higher part of the band so i think like a good example of this would be um a horse um called mortal urgency um which was a twisted urgency breed with the creation of mortals i'm sucking at typing right now trying to bring it up but this, this horse this horse has variants right um it's definitely quite quite a quite a relatively high variance horse but um you know i've basically just made it through to the the 550 band um almost breaking even slightly profitable um but if you you're interested in, in taking a look at sort of what i'm talking about and you jump into the the history of this horse you'll see in the the lower part of the um, the 526 to 550 band I was racing double ups sort of almost breaking even and then towards the end of that band the horse was just cleaning up in top twos winner take all top threes like anything I put it in basically um, 
now that I've reached the the five fifty one to five seventy five band, and I'm right at the bottom, I'll switch back to I'm double ups, back again. To double ups, and it's doing okay. So, yeah, um, like I'm not advocating this as a strategy for every horse. Obviously, you really need to, you know, make your decisions on a case by case basis. Um, some horses have the ability to to race in. Um, top three and, and quadruple ups in those lower bands and, and, you know, hopefully break even or get close to that. Whereas um, in double ups, they would be bleeding ETH. Um, so it does really depend. But I think um, like the, the top two winner take all conditional races, I tend to leave them for the upper section of the band because there's less horses in that race. Typically it's a much stronger field. Um and that's, that strategy seems to work well for me. Yeah, very nice. Well, I'm just looking at uh, Mortal Urgency now, and I've just jumped into Zerge to have a look at his stats as well. Um, good horse, mate. 96 variants. Um, it's interesting to run that in, in double-ups. Um, I like it. I like the um, I like the alpha. It's good. Well, and like, I, again... You know, horses for courses, right? Like um, this horse definitely has some variants from from Twisted Urgency, but um, the creation of Mortals is a much more stable horse. So there's mm-hmm. there's a little bit of both on both sides. So I like I know it's got variants from from Twisted, but um, it's also got some some solid DP from from Mortals, and, and that's why it's probably a better candidate for this strategy than some other breeds that I've done. Yep. Um, but look, I I, I always can I just can I just jump in there for a second? Because that's yeah. like a, an interesting thing. We've often I've often spoken to people about trying to breed BA and variants into a horse, but what you sort of said just there seems like you should try and breed DP and variants into a horse, like strong DP to have that best of both worlds horse at a particular distance. Is that a fair take? Oh, yeah, I mean definitely, especially like both of these, both of these horses, Twisted and Mortals, both um, they're both sprinters, right? So you mm-hmm. like Mortals more so than Twisted, definitely, um, but Twisted is is you know one of the um, you know highest variance Genesis sprinters in the game. So with with Twisted, you're definitely looking at producing a high variance breed, but. Um, I, I've always liked adding DP in, into into those breeds, and I think Twisted Urgency lacks like lacks a little bit of DP, um, which is why in those breeds I'd definitely try and pair it with with a, a horse that sort of has yeah. that to add it, add into that um, that added element. Because Twisted's won you know high stakes racing from thousand meters to eighteen hundred meters. You know, it's just with the variance role, right? Just with the variance, yeah. yeah. It's, um, you know, quite similar to, to quite original. I think quite original is probably slightly better, um, but they're, they're similar horses in that they have the ability to race over a, a wide range of, of distances because of that variance. Um, but there's no doubt that she's best, you know, over over the 1,000 and 1,200 spring trips in my mind. Yep. It's interesting with those variance horses, like it, it can be a bit of a challenge at time to figure out where they're best racing at. Like certainly back in the 1.0 days when everything seemed to be just random traits. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. But you'd get like massive variants that you're like, okay, I've got exactly. a horse that runs fast in at 1200. It runs fast at 
1800 it runs faster 2600 so where does it run fastest that's that, that's usually the the um like just on that yeah, point. 2000 seems to be where it well it's interesting like 2000 I, seems to be where it wins the most probably the best way to put it. i think i think for me like when i got a horse like that um, I, I, I like to look at speed rankings because speed rankings are telling me where the horse runs best compared to the competition at today's date, which is really what you, you want to know. Because, you know, I've had horses that, you know, probably 1600 meter horses, but due to people breeding, um, you know, heaps of mids and maybe not as many sprinters than the horse compared to the field is actually ranking better at 1400. Um, so checking those speed rankings constantly and not just like getting locked into, oh, my horse is a 1600 meter horse. Um, so when you say the speed rankings, like I'm looking at Z lead on this horse. Yep. Um, What's the horse? Let me bring it up. It's called landing bolts and it's had the most horrid fucking run <laughs> over the last 30 races. It's like, I don't know if you saw me on Twitter the other day going, someone, someone buy this horse off me before I shoot it. This was the horse. Uh, <laughs> I was I was just ranting, um, mate. Before I forget, because I was about to j- say this out, but w- with twisted urgency, you're talking about how hard it is to sort of sometimes discover a horse's DP. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Sarah from Roy Ranger Racing, who I bought twisted urgency off because um, she was the one that uh, figured out that twisted was a sprinter, even though they were originally running them running her over sixteen or eighteen. So. Oh, nice. Sarah made my job much easier. Um, much love. Hope you're well. All right. Well, so, yeah, I mean, so with this horse, mate, it's um, it's a no-brainer, right, because it's only got rank speed over 2,000. So it's kind of pointing you in that direction. Um, let me try. Yeah, so interestingly, it was ranked at 1,400 way back when, when I first started racing it. Right. Like, that's okay. why it's got 700 races at 1,400. Yep. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. I'll, I'll jump back in. I can see, oh, yeah, it's got it's got lots of races there. And probably what you would have seen over time is you would have seen some rank speed start popping up at 2,000. You would have noticed that it started performing better there, and eventually you would have just stopped racing it at – because it looks like you haven't raced it much at 14 recently. Would that be – No, I haven't raced it, yeah, very at, at all. At yeah, all. It's just 2,000, yeah. I mean, if you started racing at 14 exclusively, you might see it produce a time close to 63.31 and, yeah. and get rank speed again there. But you sort of the data's pointed you in, in a different direction. I'm trying to find an example of, um, yeah, if, if you jump into Slander Unlimited, I think this, off the top of my head, will. Um, Give me what I'm trying to, to show you. So jump into Slander on Z Lead and, and jump into the speed rankings. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. See it's got rank speed over three different distances, but clearly he he's pretty good at sixteen. <laughs> he's he's good at sixteen. Um and you know, he's competitive at eighteen and still still managed to to, to have rank speed at fourteen hundred. Now Slander, Slander used to be like, I, I, w- I would have used to have said that Slander was a 1600 meter horse, then a 1400 meter horse. He's, he's flamed in a $500 race over 1400 meters back in the day. He was yeah. done at 1400, but because the sprint funnels become so competitive, 
he's now started to, at least compared to, um, I guess, the, the horses that are racing today, become more competitive over 18, favouring it over 14. And, and the horses will sort of change where they um, should be placed given the field composition. And I think that's something that a lot of people forget to keep continually checking um, because the one thing that y- y- your horse – well, I used to be able to say your horse doesn't change. It does now because obviously you add XP and it does. But the the biggest variable is field field strength. And with new horses getting bred, you know, every day and, you know, influxes of new breeds coming into the, the market every two to three weeks with maidens, it's a constantly changing field that's constantly shifting and you really got to stay on top of each individual horse and where they're performing and checking these speed rankings regularly is mm. a great way of doing that. Yeah, and this is hard to get to across, you know, large stables because one of the interests that's just occurred to me, Jake, one of the questions I ask everyone was around how you got into Z and, like, what's the size of your stable? and Like, how many, to, to take it to this level, if you've got, I think um, Mike from Moonshot Ranch, he was like, I've got 400-odd horses. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, you, you're not running all them. <laughs> no, like, oh, mate, of course not, especially in today's age, like, I, like I'm struggling and I, I've, I've, um, you know, my stable's gotten so much smaller now, like over the last year, I'd say like six, nine months. It's, I've really condensed it. I basically through the, um, breeding 2.0 phase, I condensed my stable and, and reinvested in, in, uh, sort of quality over quantity of races, to, um, to help me with the meta at the time. Um, and I certainly haven't regretted that uh, to date, but it basically means that I have less horses to manage from a breeding perspective and a racing perspective than I originally did when I sort of got the bug and, you know, just went a little bit crazy there. Um, unfortunately, at the sort of height of the bull market when Ethereum was pumping, but anyway, it's... That's just a oh, like that's where I said before. Like, there's that there's a legendary knacker for sixty two bucks. Yeah, yeah, I'm like crazy. That that still look. Is it glue? Probably, but back then, like when I started in twenty twenty one, in sort of I think it was October twenty one. Yep, and I said to knacker leg, it was a couple of thousand bucks. Yep. Yeah, I think um, I started. I started and, and getting November. snapped up at that price, right? Like, yeah, well, of course yeah. it was. Yeah, I started in November twenty one, so it's very similar time to you. Um, and yeah, it was a different time then, wasn't it? Um, just getting back to the speed rankings now. Now I can sort of see it. Looking at Slander, if you look at historically his max speed, um, shows that he was a sixteen hundred meter horse. Uh, if we're just looking at rankings, then a twelve hundred yeah. meter horse then a 14, then an 18. And you can see how how much that's sort of changed given the composition of the fields today, how 18 is now his second best distance when rating. Interesting. Like, so the way to read that, that's kind of fascinating, right? So you, that is a, an interesting view on the time scale. So to look at this horse, the ranking of all time at 1800 is 1820. Yep. And at the last 90 days, it's 3.34. Yes. Whereas at 1.400, at all time, it's 5.85. Yep. But there's a lot more competition now, and it's 17.52 over the last 90 days. 
Now, obviously, like th- this has to be taken with a grain of a salt, grain of salt, because we're we're looking at basically Slander's A plus run when he puts in his you know absolute bolter. Yep. This is the time, the speed that he can produce, right? But it does tend to have a strong correlation to horses' performance on the track. Um, and you so know this too. in these numbers, like, what do you know about how Dan Shan modulates these numbers? Like, because I know there's noise in the speed data generally. Like, you have fast races and slow races, right? Yep. And can you get a number in here in this max speed where you've just been in a fast race? Like, I ran a, I had a horse recently. It was on its fifth race or something, a three point horse, and it ran. I think it was 200 fastest, I think, in a 1,000 metre yep. um, over the last 90 days. But it came third in the race. <laughs> that can happen. Like, you know, it's one of those ones where it drops way back and then slingshots and just misses. Like, you can still have those. Yep. But it was just a – like what I'm saying, it's just a really fast race. Like, yes. it ran super fast. But so is that – are those speed rankings sort of calculated in here? Or if you've got that, that number 56549 – at 1600 for for slander here like is that just um a really fast race obviously not with this horse it goes really well but could that just be like a banger fast race that it got into well so uh, or or are these numbers kind of modulated these aren't finish times they're they're um max speed so Mm -hmm. you, you can have a horse just running out in front um and not stopping and it can break the the finish time record but we're just sort of talking about speed, like how fast you see a horse accelerate, basically with these speed, this speed table. So the, the slingshots that you see is what produces these, you know, number five rankings, sixty-five, forty-nine speed in sixteen hundred, is is how fast the horse has travelled, um, like acceleration velocity, as opposed to finish time, which is different. And then he obviously has. So I always thought because I have no other way of knowing how to calculate this, but wouldn't it just be a a function of the finish time, right, and the distance. Well, he ha- he has other rankings, speed ratings for the the finish times, and if you, I, I don't know, the problem with Z Lead for me is because I'm a Blood Tool member, I get extra data on it. But if you're looking yep. at the speed table um, over on the right hand corner, you see speed ratings. Do you see that as well? No, that's what you see. No, 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 I don't see that. Well, so in the speed table, you've got obviously. Distance, place, flame, races, first, set, T2, T3, T6, medium speed, max speed, medium speed, 90 days, max speed, 90 days, then delta, yep. standard deviation, profit, speed rating. Yeah, we don't have the last column. We don't have the last column. The free right. tool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, yeah, so he, he obviously has he has tools based on speed, which normalizes finish times as well. Yeah. Uh, but I always, um, it was my understanding, this was correlated to like a horse's performance, but like how fast they, they go in the race. Could okay. be wrong. I might've been interpreting it incorrectly for the last two years, but. Um, All right. Well, Dan Chan, if you're listening. Yeah, mate, please confirm. Post in Twitter. Tell us. Yeah. <laughs> tell us. That'd be good. Well, I, look, I think what it boils down to is that, you know, if, if you've got a horse that's, that's produced a bolter and, and um, you know, has got ranked speed over there, but then, obviously he's not consistently producing that, then you'll sort of know that that's an outlier horse. And obviously it's going to have extreme variance to be able to do that. But I, I, I personally don't think a shitty horse in a really fast race can get rank speed 
right to that upper brand i feel like the horse has to have something to offer okay which i think was well, tying back to your question it was just a horse in a fast race yeah that's kind of what i was like did, did i just run this horse in a fast race like when you're a... watching it was it slingshotting or was it just plodding along no no it was slingshotting right and it's um it's bred to be high variance from two other high variance horses that i've got like i've got a z44 elite um that's out of wedgie actually speaking of roid rager um yep and bred it with another one I've got, which is my only ever tournament winner called Rug by Flames, um, which is a C4 horse. And it spat something out into C5, which is what I was looking for. Um, and then it ran this ranked, and it's even now it's dropped down to 1,085, but it was much better than that, 65.1, which in class five at 1,000 metres was, it just was its like fifth race or something. It spat out. It's great. Um, so it's, yes, high variance. It should have plenty of variance in it. Yeah, okay. So, now, mate, bringing us back to landing bolts, did you have a question about that horse before we got sidetracked and rabbit hole? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) No, just like it was more about just the the journey I went on to find out where it was supposed to be. Oh, yeah, the the 2000 meter. Yeah, yeah, um, because I ran it for a very long time. And this was like landing bolts was, I think it was my fifth horse. I bred ever, um, and so it was. It was just a lot of fun to run because it, it could beat anything at fourteen hundred. Yeah, it looks back, like it was back born on twenty sixth uh, of November, two thousand and twenty one. Yeah, and so interestingly enough, like that one, that'd be interesting. Like again, as aging comes out, what happens to all these bred horses? Because you want to see. Like I'm, I'm desperate to see value in the breeding market like in the stud market to come back and i don't just mean value for you know one more tissue or whatever because that thing's always going to breed right um but i mean like value of bred horses it, i don't i don't think there's been studs on bred horses forever since i've been in the game that have been it's been really hard to get a a stud cover unless you've got some kind of famous jenny horse sort of thing yeah or, or um you know, well, well-bred horses in in the breeding 2.0 era obviously had some allure. Yes, um, but and yeah, that, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, that bloodline thing, I think is still valid, right? Because you oh, still one hundred percent, it's still valid, just not as, um, you know, it, it's not as immediately influential, I suppose, is how I put it, because, um, you know, definitely horses still pass down traits from their ancestors, meaning their parents and or grandparents, um, et cetera. And, you know, if you are lucky enough to, to produce a super breed, then it becomes even more important that you've got, um, you know, a well-thought-out breed with um, parents and ancestors that have traits that are aligned um, from that perspective. You know, we've seen some super breeds turn out to be just absolute garbage just because they're because of that fact, you know, that yep. the breed itself yeah, wasn't wasn't aligned, wasn't, you know, that well thought out, um, which would be a pretty disappointing thing if you finally managed to land one. I think there's only been 15 of them so far, right? Yep. You want to make sure every breed you're doing, especially now given, you know, everything that's going on and, um, you know, the meta that we're living in today, when you're doing a breed and committing that um, money to it, you want it to be perfect almost, right? So that, you give yourself a every every chance of the breed turning out 
well so that you can enjoy racing it for the next however long through through the grades but also if you are lucky enough to hit that super breed then you get a chance of you know a spectacular horse hmm. which is interesting because i don't think the super breed impacts its breeding capability like if you breed a with a super breed does that pass down its starting level traits or its or its juice traits i wonder of course, well, of course it passes down at starting level trade. So breeding is based on a horse's starting level. So one of the, I guess, the allures of a super breed is you're breeding a, a level 550 horse um, and all of a sudden you've now got a breeding asset with 550 mm. traits, um, whereas previously you'd have to go, you know, breed with a, you know, top-tier Genesis horse to get that sort of starting level potentially and pass down that level of BA and, and DP and or variance depending on which um, which avenue the the super breed took? Because from our understanding of how it works, it's it's um, obviously going to give the horses a much higher starting level um, and that injection of BA from from the outset. But it's going to take either DP or variance from the parents and or ancestors and amplify that. But one or the other. So um, that's why when you've got a mixed bag of horses you know, one with some variance and the other with some DP and all over the shop, it sort of confuses it and you can end up with a pretty bad outcome. But if you're breeding two high variance horses together and you hit a super breed, then you're going to have an extreme high variance horse with a BA injection to start with. And from a breeding perspective, those traits will be passed down. So quite valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm going for. I've I've got a couple of two high variance horses that I've had a crack at before. Um, interestingly enough, like, you know, when you, you've got two variance horses, um, and you breed them together, I've got two variance horses that are kind of really mid range left. I think one of them is minus eight on a DP on the Zedge, like really close to that. No DP. Um, and if you breed them together, you, you, I get some variance, but I haven't really got a monster variance horse yet. Um, how many, like how many goes would you have at a breeding pair? do you think before you're like, yeah, okay, this is as best as I'm going to get. Like obviously there's, there's luck in the drawer of the breed, right? That did you get the right roles? Yep. I'm just, just curious to think like how many times would you try a breed before you're like, okay, that pairing's just not going to work. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I guess it would depend on sort of whether or not the breeds have sort of showed you anything. Um, you know, if you if you've bred three horses and you haven't seen any any hope, then then maybe it's time to start looking elsewhere. Um, I know, like I, I bred Slander Unlimited and, and something special together, and the first time they bred together, they produced a monster in uh, something slanderous, and then I kept going back and breeding them together, and and um, you know with disappointing results. And I think I must have done it together another four times or something. Um, whereas I'm, I'm now breeding something special with sprinters um, and, and having much better results um, doing it that way. So I got sort of stuck into into that. You went the other way. I went the other way. You went on tilt. <laughs> like for, for me, I'm, I'm always looking for the perfect breed and so therefore I'm constantly changing partners. Um, and then after a couple of failures, I might look at going back to a previously successful breed and retrying the partner. So to answer your question, personally, if I breed two horses together and I'm not happy with that outcome, I probably am looking to another horse the next time and then mm-hmm. potentially coming back to that later 
if I, I mean, need of a breed, right? But if you're just trying to breed in-house, then obviously your options are going to be somewhat limited. Um, I don't think there's a magic number, but if it's not showing you anything from three breeds, I'd probably be looking elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, nice. All right. Well, we're at an hour, Jake, and this is one of these conversations that I could have um, for several hours. Um, certainly with yourself, this has been a lot of fun. I've got a hundred more questions. Um, I like to keep them close to an hour, so might yep. just have to uh, put a pin in this one and say, well, let's do this again. Um, I think we're episode 14 uh, at the moment. So let's do this again at episode 70 or something. We can come back. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to come on again. Just shoot us a message and we'll... Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, as I say, I just, it, I, I'm really enjoying these, um, just getting to meet everyone and, and talking to everyone about their different strategies and the way they approach the game. So... Yeah, um, mate, um, happy, happy to help and, and uh, certainly the time at well with ageing and, um, yeah, hopefully people got some, some information about this and feel free to reach out to me if uh, anyone has any questions about any of the shit I was talking about. Happy to help. Um, yeah, that's one thing I've, like, I've noticed you, you've still you pin tweet on Twitter is, you know, reach out and I'll just come and help you with Zed. Um, it's just such a just such a testament, mate, to the community and, there's so many people out there that can just reach out and, and be straight with you in the, you know, how your horses are running and all that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah. You know, pe- people did the same thing for me. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, that tweet was uh, was was put up when I was just fed up with the, the toxicity that was going on on Twitter at the time and I just sort of threw my hands in the air and said, uh, I just don't want to engage in it anymore and reach out to me. I'm happy to help and chat and that, that, that's never changed. So, like, yeah, always happy to help. Um, I've got two two young kids, so my schedule's pretty busy. So I might not be as responsive as I once was, but um, yeah. I'll get back to you. And if I forget, keep reminding me. Are you saying Zed Twitter was toxic? I'm not sure. If, I don't know if that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure it's much better these days. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't really checked. So. And we didn't even touch on the third rail of the <laughs> DP nerf, um, but uh, there's plenty of content on that. So it's fine. I'll leave that one to Keith to uh, to debate. Um, well, in in the last episode, um, which you wouldn't have heard yet because it's out after we record this one, but in the last episode, I spoke to BG. So ah, okay, um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that one. Um, if you are listening to this one, go back and listen to that one. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was good conversation. Great anyway, Jake, it's you. been an absolute blast, mate. Um, I'll, I'll leave you to your evening. Um, your dogs sound like you're um, they're, they're looking to... Oh, those fucking nappies, mate. They don't shut up. Anyway. Thanks, Adam. Say to everyone on the show, we'll see you on the track. See you guys. <laughs>